Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm grateful to have the tools now to be able to guide them, hopefully away from addiction. Yeah. Because this is something that, you know, my daughter's grades have been suffering. She's been failing classes for this whole year. And we're like, what the hell is going on? You were, you were a AB student last year. Um, and hopefully I can just steer them in a direction and show them that, we don't have to deal with our traumas in life through alcohol and drug addiction. I'm knocking doors down with Tim Lodge, and this is Tim's second time on the podcast. The reason being, he and I are celebrating our two-year anniversary of sobriety. They're only within about a week of each other. So we want to get together, have a conversation about what life has been since the last time Tim has been on. And I do want to let you know, we do speak of some traumas that have occurred in Tim's family. These are sensitive events and might be triggering to some. Tim opens up how sobriety has allowed him to be there for his family like he never was before in his addiction. I'm grateful to have become friends with Tim in the last 18 months. He's doing so much for the recovery community, sharing his story and being an ear for others and helping them and living a purposeful life. And that's what Knocking Doors Down is all about. And hey, while you're checking Knocking Doors Down out, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And if you get a lot out of this podcast, share with a friend. And don't forget the archive of interviews we have. Bam Margera, Brandon Novak, Kat Von D, Charlie Sheen, Edward Furlong, Kelly Osborne. The list goes on and on of amazing guests that have been on the podcast sharing how they have found purposeful lives. Speaking of purpose, how about a lifestyle brand with purpose? 5150 LTM. That's right. Not only is it a lifestyle brand that can fit whatever it is you're trying to achieve in life, but they give back to the community. Right now, I am wearing my new 5150 hat, warm weather jacket. As well, I got my new 5150 joggers on that I like to wear around the winter time. And you, the listener of Knocking Doors Down, get 20% off every time you shop at 5150LTM. All you have to do is use the code KDD20 at checkout and get 20% off. And of course, I said it helps within the community. And how does 5150 give back to the community? Portions of the sales benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation. There are three amazing programs, the Race to End the Stigma, the Race for Autism, and the race to be drug-free. More on the Carlos Vieira Foundation, go to carlosvierafoundation.org. Man, two years, two years sober. 
You're looking good. Yeah, man. It's uh, I feel 15 years younger, dude. Right? It, it's odd how that works, huh? Yeah. I mean, physically, mentally, spiritually, I just I just feel as if I have so much more energy to do stuff now and um, the willingness to do it. I got a theory, Tim. Here's my fucking theory. We spent so long stunting our growth in every way possible <laughs> that, that, that <laughs> now that we're not, it's like, oh, this is the abundance of life. Okay. <laughs> so, so this is what it's all about. <laughs> yeah man dude yeah no it's a trip i was i was doing the math and i was like man we've known each other a year and a half yeah man and uh dude i it, i think, think you were like the fourth podcast i did mm. and and I, I i just did my 101st so talking to you today is 102 and like and it's i just don't understand how that is how i did that um and all I did was just started messaging people and, and people wanted to hear what I had to say, which is, which is amazing to me. Cause when we, when I first started this and I first talked to you, I didn't think anybody would even care about my message or, or, or my story. Cause everybody has a story. Well, I think it's that you come with such a vulnerability, honesty, compassion, uh, empathy, and you know, you just hang it out there as is, man. I mean, like, like all of us, all of us went through the shit, you know what I'm saying? Everybody went through the shit. I think it's the way in which you just did the work and deliver who and what, what you are and just put it out there. You don't, uh, you, you don't put on a facade, you know, and that's important in this. No, you, honesty, man, you have to be truthful and you have to be honest. Um, we will see right through that shit. We we're, we're very cunning and manipulative. We know exactly <laughs> when you're trying to pull the hair, like the wool over our eyes, man, real quick. Uh, speaking of that with, uh, and of course, the, you know, don't name names, but I've been finding and going through this more lately that it's not just my people in recovery when it's the pulling the wool over my eyes, it's everybody. It's everybody and so it's like yeah my perception and how i see things has changed a lot no it is i actually that i read something the other day it's it's uh it says it's not not when somebody stabs you in the back it's when you turn around and see you holding a knife mm. that's what hurts mm. and uh it's it it's been a lot of close people man um family mm. friends that were people that i thought were friends sure and um my sobriety is i'm gonna say i don't know if it's offensive to them or it's scary to them but it um maybe it makes them look at themselves i think that's part of it and my other belief is that oftentimes there's people that want us to get sober or they what they want us to stop using but they don't want us sober you know what i'm saying like they right. want us to be the same person. They don't want us to kill ourselves with a substance or in your case, a rope, or in my case, a car, but they don't want us to change. They, they want the same person that they can maybe push boundaries or whatever it is that they just, it's when you change, it's like, you know, why they say in a change, you got to change the whole dynamic with the family. It's not just the addict, the whole family, you know, changes. And I think there's just, people don't like that shit. Yeah, when we finally put our, put our foot down and we do set boundaries, they're like, wait a second, what? You're like, no, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. You're not talking to me like that anymore. You're not treating me like that anymore. And if you 
are doing that, then you and I are not going to be crossing paths anymore. Yeah. And they're like, what, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Reality. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that person anymore. All right. uh, <laughs> has that been a, been a struggle lately? Like, what have you been going through? You know, people always think, oh, it's, you know, sunshine and rainbows and it's, it's not, but everything becomes manageable. I, uh, I'm going to share something with you that, that um, this, this would be the first time I've publicly said this because it's been extremely personal to me and my family, but it has gotten um, extramentally uh, worse over the last two months that I've been dealing with. But when, um, so my, my oldest daughter is 23. When she was 16, so seven years ago, when I, I was deep in my, my I was actually still Right around the time I was just ending taking pills, but I was drinking, smoking pot, and taking pills. Um, she went to a high school party, and we get a phone call at like 12 or 1 o'clock at night from a friend. Hey, you, you guys need to come pick up Haley. Something happened. And we're like, what the hell is going on? What the hell is going on? We're, you know, we're on the way. And it was a birthday party that she had went to that was hosted by some college guys. And we get there and my daughter's fucking like just out of control, crying and shaking. And, and we're like, what happened? Apparently, um, my daughter drank some alcohol for, I don't know if it was the first time, but she drank enough alcohol where she passed out. And, and one of the college guys ended up raping her while she was passed out. And the first thing I, I wanted to do was, I mean, I dude, I was, I was shaking. Like I, I, I looked back at my daughter and I'm like, I'll be right back. I was about to go walk into the house and kill this motherfucker to be completely honest with you. And my daughter was like, no dad, no, no, no. Let, 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 let just leave. I just want to leave. I want to leave this place. I want to go. So we get into the uh, whole detectives and, and going through all that process. And during the process of being interviewed by the detectives and the psychiatric people, my daughter revealed to the detectives and the, and the, the psychiatric people that ages 5, 11, and 13, my own brother had molested her. And uh, I felt like a failure as a father. I felt like I couldn't protect my own daughter. And man, that that drove me into a six month bender of of drugs and alcohol that was one of my worst that I've ever went through because I, I honestly didn't want to live. Um, and I never shared that because I just I just wasn't ready to do it. But two years, I think I'm I'm I I want people to understand that you know addiction is a disease, but man. Some of us go through some shit in life that that um, I can see why people snap sometimes. I, I get it, I, I do. I, I get it, um, but I could have handled it a little bit better because I, I mentally was not there for my daughter during the most tragic time in her life, where she needed her dad to be there to comfort her, to console her, and I was a you know, a, a blithering alcoholic drug addict passed out on the couch, just not wanting to even think about the whole, the, the whole ordeal. So 
we go to court and all that stuff. And I don't know how your court system is with, with child pedophiles, but um, because my brother was a army veteran of 27 years and um, <clears throat> never been in trouble in his entire life, which he, he never did. He was never alcoholic, never drug addict. He got 13 weekends in jail. And that was it. And I think he spent 10 of them in jail on the weekends. And then that was it. That was, it was, it was done and over with. That's all you ever had to do. And then um, they said, no more contact with my family, me and my, the rest of my kids. He can't be within 500 feet of me and my family ever. Like again. Right. And um, <clears throat> so I, I never really got over that. My daughter's never really gotten over that. She blamed me for a long time, which is, Part of the reason why our relationship had, had been rocky, um, just because she kind of thought I was supposed to be the protecting father and, and be there. So fast forward seven years and, and um, two months ago, um, my, my sister had my, my middle daughter come over and spend the night with her. And my sister's uh, only one year older than my oldest daughter. She's like my half sister. My dad had her with another lady, and they're really close. She's in, she's in, my sister's a great aunt to my kids, and she noticed that there, you know, my middle daughter just wasn't acting right. Like there was a something up. So they got to talking, and my sister, you know, looked at my middle daughter and she said, "Can I ask you something?" She said, "Yeah, what?" She said, "Um, I'm not even going to mention his name, but my brother." She said, "Did did he ever touch you?" And my middle daughter looked at my sister and said, yeah. Um, and my sister looked at my middle daughter and said, he touched me too. So two months ago, my, my sister comes over to our house and she's like, um, I need to talk to you and your wife. I was like, okay, what's going on? She's like, um, you know, our, our, our brother sexually molested me. She said, and I have to tell you that um, she also molested your middle daughter. And I also have to tell you that she also molested your youngest daughter. So all three of my daughters and my sister. I lost it, dude. Um, and this is during sobriety. This is like when I think that, you know, I'm sober and, and life is great and the sun shines and fucking rainbows and everything that I've ever wanted, I'm given. And, and now I'm dealing with this, the, the heaviest thing that I've ever had to deal with in my entire life. <clears throat> and I'm not going to lie. For about 30 seconds. I thought about drinking. It was only about 30 seconds. And. and and, and, and that that demon came into my brain and was like, fuck it, go to the liquor store and, and get some liquor and get some alcohol and and forget about it. But then something clicked in my head. And it said, no, motherfucker, don't give him the power. He has taken too much from you. Don't let anything ever in this world take your sobriety from you. You've earned it. And it went away. It like it was that quick and that. Like, no fucking way. Nothing's taking this from me. I don't care what I go through. This is the most important thing to me because without it, I lose everything that I have worked for, everything that I've loved, and everything that I've ever wanted. So 
now um, <clears throat> my brother, um, he was hiding out in Pennsylvania. Um, and on January the 19th, he was picked up. He came into Maryland for something and the state police picked him up. He has been in jail since January 19th on no bond. He is being charged with 12 counts of uh, two counts of rape to a family member, three counts of child endangerment, three counts of sexual assault to a, a child and or family member. And he's more than likely never, he's never getting out of prison because um, just the two rape charges are 25 years apiece. And he's 56, I'm 46, he's 10 years older than me. And then the other 10 charges are 10 years apiece. Um, it's been really hard for me to just go through my head. Dude, when I grew up, my, my brother was a great brother to me, man. He was a good dude. He took care of me, took me to the movies, played with me, um, showed me things in the world. Like he was, I can never take that from him. He was a great big brother to me. And for him to do that to my children, not one, not two, but all three of them. Um that the evil of me, the evil in me came out. And and I couldn't say this to my mother because God man, I tried putting myself in my mother's shoes. I I I I I'm empathizing with my mom because it's her son. And who the hell wants your kid to go to prison, much less find out that your child molested your grandkids. But I, I wanted I, I wanted to look at her in the eye and be like, I hope that motherfucker gets killed in jail. Yeah. Because we know what happens to those guys in jail. Yeah. Um those guys don't play around. You don't you don't touch kids or, or your or your family members or friends or, I mean or parents. You just it's it's a a taboo thing for even hardcore killers and criminals. You just that's just one thing you don't do. But I couldn't bring myself to say that to my mom because I, my heart was hurting for her. So I've been trying to contemplate, man. I, I I think your empathy has come into play, Tim. I mean Sorry, I need a second. <clears throat> Fuck, man, I'm so sorry. With somebody that's been through that, I'm just so sorry. But they, what your daughters have been through, that is. Yeah. I've been trying to find the silver lining in it. Because, you know, they try to say that, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I'm trying to trust the process. But man, you, why kids, man? Why, uh, what am I supposed to learn from this? How is this supposed to be something that makes me a better sober parent and friend or son? How is this supposed to be part of my growth and, um, I get what happened to me. I get why I suffered for 27 years. I get it. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't get why kids are hurt in this way. I just, I don't see a purpose in it ever. Yeah. Only thing I can hope is if there's <sighs> knowing the patterns of people that are sick in that way, 
And it is, it's a real evil illness that it, there's most likely some others out there and, you know, I guess it coming to light that maybe there potentially could have been others and that strength for all of you guys to come forward that maybe it's put, put a stop to it, you know? Uh, and, and, and to be honest with you, I, I've been, I've been contemplating publicly sharing it. But then I was like, you know what? Maybe I could just help one more person with this story too. Yeah. Maybe I could give the, somebody the strength to speak up about something that happened to them that they've been so, you know, and, and it, the kids don't say nothing because they're ashamed. They think it's their fault, man. Yes. They, they're, they're embarrassed and they don't want to tell anybody because they think it's their fault. It's not. And I want people to understand that if it has happened to you or you know somebody that's had that, it's not your fault. The person that did it is sick. And I'm sorry, but jail does not do nothing for these people. They they literally have a mental sickness that they need to be in a hospital, met it up for the rest of their lives, because I, I don't think that's something that can be fixed. It's something that's in their DNA. Um it's an, it's a pure evil, like you said, man. It's pure evil that walks this earth. Yeah, it is. And 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 yes, you're right. And that's exactly what I went through, thinking it was my fault. And I'm not trying to deflect over here, but to mirror what you're saying, it's exactly what I felt: shame and guilt. And I spent a lot of time trying to find the next pretty girl to prove how masculine I was because it was a man that took advantage of me at six years old. Right. And and masking with with you know, some drugs, a lot of alcohol, but uh <laughs> a lot. <laughs> uh I, I, the only thing I can think of is um I'm going through this sober now and finding about it now that I'm sober so that I could actually be there now and I actually can console my daughters and make sure that they get to the therapy sessions with their doctors and make sure that they have a shoulder to cry on. And, um, oh, damn, I can't believe I fucking forgot. I left, totally left this out, man. So during this whole thing, you know, my mom, you know, she's, she's frantic, you know, she's like, just, you know, she can't believe it. She's just with, she's in all like the rest of us. And, um, my wife goes over to the house to pick up my grandson one day and, and my mom's got all these drawers open and she's you know fumbling through all these paperwork and and, and my wife's like what, what are you doing she's like i'm looking for this piece of paper you know and i just got to find this piece of paper you know and uh, my wife's like what what you know what are you looking for and my mom looks at my wife and she says uh, you need to sit down i gotta tell you something i can't believe i forgot to say this and and she looks at my wife and she says um do you remember that guy I was dating six years ago? My mom. And I'm like, and she, my wife says, yeah, I'm not going to mention his name because he has passed away since. And I don't want his kids to, but anyway, she said, well, um, my middle daughter had wrote my, my, my mother a note one night. And the note said, can you please have your boyfriend stop? 
can you please tell him to stop my mom? I just want him to stop. And uh, she says, but please don't tell my daddy because I don't want to lose my daddy because if he finds out, he'll kill him. And my wife looked at my mom and was like, so that's why you broke up with this guy? And she says, yeah. And she said, it wasn't because it was an abrupt breakup. And it was like, they were going out for four years. He had bought my mom a ring. You know, they're both older people and, and they were going to settle down together. But one day we went over to my mom's house and all his stuff was outside. His daughters were coming to the house to get it. She wouldn't even let him back in the house and she wouldn't tell us why. And we find out during all this that he had been touching my middle daughter as well. And, um, but that note, man, from my daughter saying, please don't tell my daddy because I don't want to lose my daddy. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've been, I just really haven't been myself the last two months, man. I've been, I've been holding on to my sobriety with a thin line, brother. But, It's possible, man. You know, we're going to go through some shit, man. Um, sobriety is not all fucking, you know, the, the best things in the world. Where Life still happens on life's terms. It doesn't give a shit if you're sober or not. It's how we deal with it. Yeah. And they like they say, that you know, the, the, the best and the worst things about getting sober is you get your feelings back. <sighs> both on both on both ends. And um, learning to deal with my feelings at 46 years old is like you know me going through puberty at 14 it's, it's a whole new experience because i've never been through it before because i've always been inebriated i've always been under substance abuse yeah yeah but you're right and I, and i'll say it if i was like your running buddy at that time and you found out when you were drinking i would have helped you kill the fucking guy dude i i had some people I had some people ready. <laughs> I'm not now, trying to say that to be a threat, but I just know that I wouldn't have been able to manage. I'm mirroring what you're saying, manage my emotions to process it. Cause it's hard just hearing it from you as my friend. And, and, you know, I'm just, I'm worried for your daughters whom I've never met and your wife. And yeah, it's just fuck. Yeah. No, I, I actually, um, the first person I told was, was, uh, a brother of mine who I served in the Marine Corps with. And I trust him with, dude, I trust this motherfucker with my life. Like, he's just one of the most stand-up guys, if not the most stand-up guy I've ever had the privilege of, of uh, knowing in my entire life. And um, I called him. I was just fucking hysterical crying. I was like, dude, I got to tell you something. I got to tell somebody. I said, because if I don't tell somebody, I'm going to fucking explode. And I told him. And dead silent on the other end. And his, his first sentence was, where is your brother at right now? And I was like, he's in jail. He said, that motherfucker's lucky. He said, because mm -hmm. I was about to walk out of my front door. He's like, and bring bring him to your front door on a silver fucking platter. He goes, and I wouldn't have cared what happened to me. And, and he just went off for 15 minutes about, you know, what he would do, this, that, and the other. He says, your brother's lucky he's in jail. And I said, well, I appreciate you that saying that. And I know you would do that. But then you you would have ruined your life. And, and too many lives have been ruined. Yeah. Um too many lives have been ruined now, man. I don't I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let it ruin another life, man. Like yeah. I can't. Well, and I'm glad and and you know that you said you know, you and the missus and I know that you 
proactive and, and the father you've become now. And I, you know, I wish we lived closer so that we could fellowship more, but you know, I just, boy, I'm just happy to hear that they're, you know, they're getting some help. I mean, that's what they have to do. You know, people, I was listening to a really ironically this morning thing of, uh, you know, some trauma stuff going on with, with my family. My son hasn't been living with me. It's a whole nother list of, of things. In reality, it's like, I'm trying to figure out where to like take total ownership in that, but I'm like, I don't know that I actually did anything. I think it's just, again, back to that boundary <laughs> thing and somebody not right. liking that. But anyways, Gabor Mate, he was talking about trauma and the thing that people don't understand is that, you know, they, they hear the event, which this, you know, I mean, again, I think it's the, I think it's the lowest thing you could do to, to a human. Um, I'm going to say that, you know, with the exception of, you know, like a torturous death. Right. But the traumatic event happens. It happens to our body. It happens in us. But people know that and acknowledge that, but they forget how widespread that can go to things. You know, like you said, you know, your, your wonderful children, they become silent. They become distant. Grades suffer. Attitudes change. All these things. And that stuff can trickle down and, and it, you know, a trauma happens, it affects the whole family, affects everyone that loves that person, you know, and the healing can happen though. That was a good thing that he left with a thing of hope. And so I'm just so glad that, that, you know, the help is happening because it can and it can. And, and, I'm, and I'm here to tell you, you know, granted, it took me to where I was to acknowledge, but it's something the story has changed for me. And I don't know if I'm just sharing right. this to maybe help you, maybe something you share with the missus is I went a sick individual wanted to take my energy, my innocence for whatever reason, whatever it happened to them or whatever broken thing in them. And I just made a decision, that, you know, and I told my significant other, I told her, I'm like, I'm just not, I'm not going to let that be there anymore. You know? And it, but it took me, it took me this last two years of go around to see that. So I'm just sharing that as again, not to deflect attention over here, but, but to no. maybe share with you that, you know, share with the missus. It can happen if your daughters can change the story about what happened to them, that it says right. nothing about them and everything about the other individual. And it's fucking hard and it's hard. And I can't imagine, you know, I don't, I don't know this, you know worse for a, a, a girl than a, than a boy. I don't know. I'm not here to speculate. I just, I don't know. It's just. And, and, and the, the <clears throat> this is going to sound so weird, but I'm, I'm grateful to have the tools now to be able to guide them. Hopefully away from addiction. Yeah. Because this is something that, you know, my daughter's grades have been suffering. She's been failing classes for this whole year. And we're like, what the hell is going on? You were, you were a, a B student last year. Um, and hopefully I can just steer them in a direction and show them that we don't have to deal with our traumas in life through alcohol and drug addiction. Um, we can, there, there's got to be a silver lining in this. There has to be. Yeah. 
that's the one thing that word hope is huge for me. I have to hope that there's something to be learned about this. Um, that I can, that I can, I can make positive. I can, I can twist this somehow to be a positive thing that that has happened um, to maybe where they they have the strength to help other girls or other little boys or you know somebody else that that that, that they can say I've been through that and this is how I dealt with it. This is what we have to do. These are the channels that you have to go through, and we can be okay. It doesn't have to control and consume our lives for the rest of our lives. It's a part of us but it doesn't have to take the energy from us and, and destroy our futures. Yeah. Because it, and it can, and it can, I mean, you've been through your traumas. I've been through mine and it can, but it doesn't have to. You're right. It's exactly, no. that's exactly what they need. In my opinion, need to know. Yeah. I mean, we, we, I think we forget as people is how fucking strong we are, man. When, 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 when we, like I, I'm, I'm dealing with this uh, guy I went to rehab with, and you know tomorrow is my my two year sober date, and we were in rehab together. And the last couple months, man, he's been sending me these off the wall crazy ass messages on, on my my messenger and and on Instagram and on Facebook, and I'm like, I'm reading them, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. That's not adding up. This does, like, I could just see through the bullshit in the texts. Yeah. So, I was like, "Hey, I was like, hey, man, um, are you using?" And dude, no shit, like twelve, fifteen messages, and they were all, "You're a motherfucker, fuck you, <laughs> you, you don't know what I'm doing." Like, and I was like, "Yep, you're using." I was like, uh, <laughs> "When you want to get help again, and you want to change your life, and you want to admit and have some accountability of your actions, then call me." I said, mm-hmm. "Other than that, I'm not going to go back and forth with you on this." Yeah. For months, I didn't hear nothing from him. Literally two days ago, I get 10 messages. Hey, man, um, I just want to apologize for the way I've been acting. As you know, or you may have realized, I've been using, I slipped again, and I could really use your help. I I know um, you have contacts in the recovery community now, and you do all these podcasts, and I really need help. I'm really lost, and I just don't know what to do. And I wasn't embarrassed, and I was ashamed that that I slipped up again, but... I just really need your help. And I was like, you know what, man? That's what I was waiting for. That's all I was waiting for was that accountability that just slipped up. You admitted it and you want to make the change again. Now I am willing to help you. Yeah. And I hate to be kind of like that, um, but I've learned through talking to other people. When, when we're in our addictive slumber, you know, we do the repeater. We, we say the same shit over and over again, and, and it's the whole, woe is me, why is it happening to me? We blame everybody, other, but that minute that we take responsibility for our actions, and we're like, you know what, I need to make that change, that's that's that light, man, that, that opens up, and you can see that person has acknowledged that they need the help, and they're willing to make that help, um, or to take that help, sorry. And that's when I, I I don't think I'm wasting my time because it, it's I don't know if you dude it's hard talking to a drunk. <laughs> oh, dude, and, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Do you, do you go into the fuck? Was I like that? Yeah, I was. Oh, 
Yeah. I would do it. You know how many times I've heard that with my wife? I was like, was I like that? And she looks at me, she goes, no, Tim, you were worse. I'm like, no, I wasn't. No. There's no possible way. She's like, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's possible. Yeah, it's you were. possible. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh, my God, man. Wow. We put our family through some shit. But it's good. It's good, man. The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. But here's the thing with that is like, you know, yeah, we can have empathy for the fellow addict that slipped or, or not yet sought recovery. But guess what? There's a shit ton of people in line behind you that are serious and do want the help. And that's who I have time for. I'm sorry. Yes. I, it doesn't no, mean, I'll... you know, doesn't mean I don't have love for you. But and again, empathy. But I'm not going to get down and pick you up. I'll get down on the ground and, and champion it. Hey, come on, let's go. Let's get ourselves up. But yeah, I don't have the time. We'll stand up together exactly, but I'm not going to pick you up 100%. Mm -hmm. It's, and I hate to say this word, it's almost a waste of your energy and your time. Cause we know, dude, we can pack their bags, walk them to the front door, <laughs> make their bed. But if they're not willing and ready to go on their own uh, accord, we've just wasted our energy on somebody that doesn't care about themselves. And that's the truth of addiction, which really does suck. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and it's amazing, you know, through all this, through all this shit that I've been going through for the last two months, I'm still getting messages from people I've never met before about a podcast that I did six months ago about how it's helped them. And that has been a really big light for me during this whole thing. Cause it's like, keep going, keep going, mm -hmm. keep going. You're getting, still getting these messages. You're still getting these messages. People are listening to your podcast. You're, you're reaching people. Keep going, keep going. So I, I now know that not only for myself, but man, I have a responsibility to to people I've never met before that that I can show them that no matter what, we can just keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep going. And that's the most important thing, man. Just, just keep pushing forward every single day. And I got a beautiful message two weeks ago from my my cousin's ex-husband, who uh, I've known since I was 12 years old. So uh, he's I've known him pretty much my whole entire life. He's now recently married, and he has a stepdaughter. And two weeks ago, he's like, hey, can I have your message me on Facebook? Can I have your cell phone number? I got to call you real quick. I was like, yeah, sure, no problem, but hand him his cell phone number. I didn't hear nothing. Day goes by, two games go by. Then I get this random friend request from this young lady that I've never seen or heard before. And I was like, okay. Cause I looked down and she was following some people in recovery. And usually if, if I look down, you got about five to eight people that you're following in recovery, it's recovery based. So I'm like, yeah, you might want to ask me a question. Absolutely. So I, I said, yes. Next thing I know, I get this long, huge message. Hey, um, 
this is so-and-so, I'm um, such-and-such a stepdaughter. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? She's like, "Um, he told me to reach out to you. She's like, I'm an alcoholic, and I'm going to rehab today at 6 p.m., and I really need to talk to you. I've I've watched two of your podcasts today, and I, I really need your help. And I got off work at 2 o'clock. At 3 o'clock, I was on the phone with this girl, and I talked to her from 3 to 5.20 as she was getting into the car, driving to the airport, going down to Florida to White Sands Rehab. And I spoke to her for two and a half hours on speaker while she's driving in the car with her mother and just telling her everything that that has helped me through rehab and what to expect when you get there and how to stay positive and, and just, you know, I, I, I use this. I said, it's, you know, it's not the school that the kid goes to. It's the kid that goes to the school. I was like, there's going to be people there that don't like that rehab center and they're going to bitch and complain about their, what they have to do and the, and the times that they have to, and I got to make my bed and I got to be at this place. Yeah, you do. But if you make the best of what you have in front of you and you take advantage to what they're trying to teach you, you're going to learn and you're going to come out a better person. And um, she's messaged me every single day for the last five days Dude, it's a different rehab than I was at. They get their fucking cell phones <laughs> right. for, two, for two hours a day. And I'm like, what the hell is this shit? I, they took our cell phones. They took razors. They took everything from us. And we got two 15-minute phone calls a week to call home. And these people get their cell phones. I'm like, what the hell is this? But uh, uh, it, well, Yeah, hey, Tim, it varies for people. If it helps, I couldn't even fucking afford to go to rehab. If, <laughs> if I did, I would have come home, like, out on the street. So, Right. But... Uh, but you're right. And like everyone I, I talked to that has, and, and, you know, my dad went through, I think three treatment centers, but like you, you nailed it. You have to be willing to go to school, like ask, get there, learn, get under the learning tree, ask some questions. You know, that's, you know, at, at meetings, like afterwards, like, yeah, please come up. You got a question on my share or whatever. Ask, let's talk about, it. that's why it's here to start the conversation. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I told her. I was like, "Do me a favor." I was like, "I'm, a, I'm." A, I said, "This is my number one thing." I said, "Don't get into a goddamn rehab re- romance, please." I was like, "You are not there to make friends. You are not there to be popular. You are there for you. When you leave there in thirty or sixty days, however long you're going to be there, you're leaving that place with you and you only. And you need to take everything that you can." I was like, "I'm telling you from experience. When you leave those doors." There might be two or three people that you stay in contact with that genuinely care about what happens to you after you leave that rehab center. The rest of those people are just abiding time until the day comes for them to leave. Take it full advantage of what they're offering and know it's for you. Yeah. No, and you're right. So, you know, as I tell people, uh, with the exception of someone such as yourself that has been in a long-term marriage or if you're in a long-term relationship and that other person is sober, you, you give it a good calendar year before you even think about dating again, especially depending on what your substance was. Cause you right. got a lot of shit that ain't going to come back to full functionality, like for quite a while, maybe ever. <laughs> right. No, for real. Yeah. So let's see if you can keep a house plan alive. Then maybe think about a pet. And if that's working out and you can do those responsibilities, then 
the responsibility of having another person take their heart and put it right here in the palm of your hand that you go, oh, yeah, I got to be gentle with this. Then, okay. But yeah, wait a fucking year. Wait yeah, a year. for sure. Especially young, uh, young people, especially. Oh, my God. I couldn't imagine. Like, <laughs> like it was hard. Like, dating sober Tim sucks. So, you know, but yeah, just just give it time, man. No, you definitely have to love yourself before you can put out any energy to love somebody else. And and most of us who are addicts, unfortunately, at some point in our life, um, don't love ourselves. Oh yeah, it, you know what I mean. And that's why we we choose to be complacent and 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 use because we don't like that person looking back in the mirror. And how the hell can you love somebody else if you don't like that person who's staring back at you? It's not possible. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I told my wife forever, I love you, I love you, I love you, but my actions didn't say so. Well, that's true, and that's the point. You know, a lot of people think love is this feeling and butterflies. No, it's what you said right there. It's actions. It's a verb, man. You got it's it's a thing that you do. Here at Knocking Doors Down, we share the stories of people who overcome adversity. You know that already, but what you may not know is that our partners at the Carlos Vieira Foundation aim to help people who struggle with their own adversities as well. The Carlos Vieira Foundation helps those in need through their race for autism, race to be drug free, and race to end the stigma campaigns. You can also choose the Carlos Vieira Foundation as your charitable organization on Amazon Smile to contribute as well. To learn more and support these causes, check out all the info at carlosvierafoundation.org. My relationship with my wife, no shit, is the best it's been in 20 five years since we first got married. I am not even kidding you. Emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, it's like I found my best friend again. It's it's the last, which is kind of weird, man. The last two months after finding our relationship has grown so strong. Um, It's so good to have her back. Yeah. You, know, you know what? It's so good to have me back. Um, to be able to to love this woman the way that she's meant to be loved and needed and and deserves. Um, no, it's, it's we laugh and play and man, it's just it's it's a completely different chemistry than it's been in three quarters of our relationship. It's amazing. It's a gift from sobriety. Well, I mean, what a testament to you know, and I hope to meet her someday, hopefully in the near future. Because man, what what a what a story of love that is right there from that woman standing by you, you know? Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't deserve, man. I don't, I, to be honest, which I don't, I, I, I say, I'm going to cut you out. You know what? Maybe, but that's not up to you. Yes. And that's the trippy thing about love. It's not up to us, but it's right. like, fuck, you know, <laughs> like I don't get to control that narrative either. Yeah, I know, right? I'll, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Why? Why do they take control of us, man? I, I, I like having control. Well, I thought I did, <laughs> but my whole life has been out of fucking control. Uh, we love illusions. That's 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 a whole thing with it, you know. We're sold yeah. illusions. We got a society built on a lot of illusions, so you know. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad to hear that, man. It's um, it really is just a testament of how you can turn this all around, man. You know, and I'm, I'm proud to know you and 
I'll share a little, you know, Tim, I've been through those hard times and I've texted you too, man. And just that little yeah. message or something's, you know, uh, I, uh, it's, it's a beautiful gift that this thing brought. I never thought I would be like, you know what, if I went on a sober travel, I could go Southern California, Oregon, multiple parts of Canada, Texas, uh, Wyoming, believe it or not, uh, huh. Florida, Maryland, North Dakota, New York, New Jersey, you know, it's like all these people that just through doing this, you know, like how you've connected with so many people. I mean, I have monthly check-ins with people from all over the Australia. You're sharing your story. Yeah. So this dude, um, Seb, he reached out. He shared that he was about ready to pop. It, 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 pills were his primary drug of choice. And then he caught the Edward Furlong episode. And then he went down Ooh. a rabbit hole. One of yours was one of those episodes and he still, it kept him from using, he flushed and that's the drugs. That's why we share this. He was minutes away from it and it just happened to pop up in his YouTube algorithm. Wow, man. That's fucking all. That's so awesome, man. Where was it? The guy from Sweden when you and I did like an Instagram live and then he reached out. That has been still one of the most powerful messages I've ever gotten. I I, I have saved that audio on, on my message about his, his family getting bombed at the Ukraine and, and all hope is lost. But he heard the message on the live and was like, you, 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 I kept screaming at my wife. We can't give up hope. We can't give up hope. He said, you got us through it. Dude, I, I get so many things that I, I try to chalk up and explain has, has no explanation. It, it's meant to be, I, you know, and I'll say it again. I was meant to get sober at the age of 44 and come down this journey in my life. You know, I had to go through that, that dark, deep place to understand, you know, how important these messages that we do to, to get out to other people. Dave from Dopey, um, he just, just published our, our episode last night. It went live on YouTube this morning. Yeah, it was good. I've already gotten four messages from people I've never met in my entire life. Yeah. Just, just from this morning saying, I loved that. What I loved how you share, man. Thank you so much. I got these questions, blah, 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 blah. And I've messaged them all back. And, and, you know, I, again, I text Dave, I was like, Hey man, I got my one. I got my one more person just from you allowing me to share. And I appreciate you helping me to reach one more person. And he's like, dude, he's like, I've gotten messages all day today from that. He says, thank you so much for sharing. He said, you're an amazing storyteller. I want you to come back and share things that you haven't shared before. And uh, we'll do it again, you know, maybe this summer. So yeah. it's just amazing, man. Like you said, the community of, of people in recovery is outstanding. Well, and the more we can find and plant a little seed with one person, then hopefully they share we can change a lot of the way that people's self narrative is, you know? Yeah. It's tough. It's a weird world. We're in a weird, weird world right now. And especially in our country, it's, um, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, it's like, it was funny because I was hearing this, uh, like 60 year old, yeah, maybe between, 50 and 60 bitching about millennials, but their kids are millennials. I'm like, Oh, so you're bitching about the kids that you raised the way that you did it. So in essence, you're just pissed off at yourself. You right. know, it's like, right. you know, knowing this person, as long as I have, I'm like you and your wife are the people that like, everybody should get a trophy. Like the 12th place competitor out of 12 people should get a fucking trophy. 
well, you know, no wonder you're dealing with what you're dealing with with your kids. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I, that I've never understood that. Yeah. First place is first place. Second place is the first loser. That's the way I was. I was raised. You were you were close. Yeah, got to try. Got to try harder next time if you want that trophy. Yeah, but keep going. Keep going. Absolutely, try harder. Put more effort into it. You will get it. Because that's how life is, man. Yeah, that the, the chip you get tomorrow, the one I got, you know, a couple weeks ago. That was earned, and I was working against my hardest competitor, myself. And you know what, man? I, I um, I'm kind of bummed about tomorrow. Why? I, I'm well, because I haven't been in my home group in like three months. Yeah. Um, you know, I, um, my 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 sponsor hasn't called to check to see if I slipped. Huh. Nobody from the home group has called to check it on me. So I've been going to this other meeting that was always my like my Sunday night group meeting that I went to just because um, every Sunday night they have a new outside speaker come in. Oh, cool. So it's, so it's somebody you've never met and they share a brand new story. And I've always liked that. Cause it's like, it's new. It's, it's energizing. You're like, man, wow. You know, it's a, it's a new person I've never met before. And I get to hear a brand new story and I've always liked that. So I've been going to that. And um, I was like, man, this, you know, I, I went there for 18 months for the first eight, nine months, I went seven days a week, sometimes twice on Saturdays and Sundays. You know, I poured my heart into this home group. And um, not one person from that home group has called just to say, hey, man, have you slipped? Are you okay? Do you need help? And I kind of was like, you know, what the hell is going on? Like, I was, thought I was a part of a family with that home group. And it kind of upset me and it kind of... It made me have a resentment, which I'm getting over because I don't want to have that. You know, I don't, I, I don't want to put my energy into that. I, I'm going to let it go. But I'm not getting a chip tomorrow, man, unless somebody buys me one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, I told my wife like three days ago. She's like, "You excited for Sunday?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." She's like, "You can't wait to get your chip." And I looked at her. I was like, "I'm not getting one." She's like, "What do you mean?" And I was like, "I haven't. Nobody from my home group has reached out to me." My, my, I mean, my name's on the book. You know what I mean. My, my, my date's up on the wall. I was like, unless, unless I get a call or something from my sponsor, which is he hasn't called me in three months. I was like, I'm gonna have to end up buying my own chip. And she's like, well, she just looked at me. Are you serious? And I'm like, it's no big deal. I earned it. Yeah. I said, I'll buy it myself. I was like, I earned it. And I was like, it's not a big deal. She's like, well, I wish you would have told me this two weeks ago. <laughs> She's like, I would have got on a recovery page and, and got one and presented it to you. Because it's kind of cool. Dude, my dad called me. I, since being sober, um, our relationship has gotten closer. Yeah. And he called me on Tuesday of this week. Hey, son, how you doing? I'm like, doing good. Didn't he tell him or nothing? He's like, your, your two-year sobriety date's coming up, isn't it? And I said, yeah, how'd you know? He's like, I remember, son. He's like, you know, I was, I'm proud of you. He's like, it's Sunday, right? And I'm like, yes. And that dude, that kind of made me tear up because I just didn't think he he knew. He's like, I'd like to take you and, and, and Jennifer out to dinner. He's like, to celebrate your two years. And I'm like, that sounds awesome. He goes, and I told your mom I was doing it. So now, of course, she wants to come too. Is that okay? <laughs> and I said, absolutely. You know, we'll go out to dinner and stuff like that. But that was just cool for for that uh, that relationship with my father's has been getting better and better, and we talk a little bit more. Um, and he just, I can tell, you know, he's getting older. He's seventy seven, yeah. and um, 
he's apologized for a lot of shit the last couple months that, that you know, I just, you know, I, uh, I was, I was kind of self-centered and I just want you to know, I've always loved you. I just, you know, and seeing you sober has, has made me reflect on my past. He goes, and I'm sorry, I love you. You know, and that's just hearing that from a son, from a father yeah. that I've, I've missed. And I blamed him for a lot of my years of, of addiction is really touching to me. And uh, Thursday, my daughter, my oldest daughter calls me and she's like, Hey dad, um, Sunday's your two years, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, she's like, I'm so, so proud of you. She's like, is there any way you and I on uh, next Saturday, can we go out and just have a dad daughter dinner? And I was like, absolutely. I was like, I am so grateful that you asked me to do that. She says, yeah, she's, I've been wanting to do it. And we mentioned it once a couple months ago, but neither one of us followed up. She said, but I really just want to go out with you and me and just go to dinner. And she's like, and just talk and, and, you know, rekindle, you know, our relationship, make it better. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's just beautiful, man. Those are the wonderful gifts. And I mean, that one where you can have a, a parent be able to recognize some of the stuff. It, it, not all of us get that. And it, but when the ones of us that do, uh, man, it lightens the load of that baggage that we've been trying to dump, you know? Yeah. It's like, and you get a breakthrough with that vulnerability, and there's so much connection there that it's just, that's fucking awesome, man. I'm proud of you. I'm going to, I'm virtualing you a, a token. So I, I got a shit ton of people that text me tokens. So I'm texting you a token because Amazon <laughs> won't get one to your door in time. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. Now, you know what, man? Uh, I, I it's right here, man. I, I got my two years right here. Yeah. I, I don't. I know the tokens are cool when I look at it, but you know what I'm gonna do with it? I'm gonna put it in my sock drawer with my other tokens. And um, when I open up my sock drawer, I'll be like, "That's my two year. That's my two year." But in all reality, it's it's in here and it's up here. And um, as long as I know that and I put in effort and I know I'm truthfully and honestly sober. And putting in the work and, and doing everything that I have to do to stay sober. That's that's the gift. That's yeah. the true gift. Well, let me fuck you up on this one, Tim. This just occurred to me. Uh, our token, in addition to that, and all the other people that speak up like we do, thanks to technology, it's out there forever now. I know. Man, you know what's kind of weird about you saying that? That's crazy. I'm watching a lot of this weird I don't know, man. The last couple of weeks, I've been watching this dude. He's called the Seatbelt Psychic. His name's Thomas something. He's on TikTok. Okay. He's like an Uber driver, but people get into his car and he's like, uh, can I tell you something? I'm in a medium and I and I feel, you know, Todd is coming in and they both look at each other and whatever. And he starts talking about it. And um, and I, I was laying in bed the other night and I was like, heaven forbid if something should happen now in my life. Heaven forbid if I, I should not wake up tomorrow for the first time in my life. I'm okay. Mm. Because what I've done will be out there forever. And I will always forever be able to help somebody even when I'm not here. And what a powerful gift that sobriety has given me to be able to do that. What I what we are doing, what you do, what the what anybody who has a podcast and shares their message of recovery, strength, courage, and hope will be there, like you said, forever. And long after we're gone, somebody might just open up a knocking doors down podcast and, and, and watch an episode. 
and be like, wow, you know, that this was filmed, you know, six, 60 years ago and it's still reaching people today. And um, it was like a calm in, my, in myself. I was like, you know what? If I'm not going to die drunk or addicted to, to, to drugs. I'm going to die sober. And I finally did up something with my life. I, I found a purpose before I was able to go. And I'm at peace with that. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. I think for me, it's um, one of my close friends that I worked with a long time in radio. His brother, who did a lot in our local community, was a retired police officer when he was passing. Um, my friend shared with me that he said to him, he said, I'm not afraid to go. I have my faith. I, there was just so much more I wanted to do to help. Wow. Yeah. That stuck with me. The the days that I have, like I've texted you, you know, I still struggling with the depression at times and going through this stuff. And, you know, that that's, it's that, it's that idea of hanging on to that, that there's still so much more to do, you know, it, it gets me up, it gets me going, gets me aware, you know, ah, nobody's listening or, you know, what's the point of going into the office today or, you know, whatever it is, you know, and it's just getting out of my own fucking way. Yeah. That's why, that's why I keep it simple. Just one more person. Yeah. One, just one more, man. And, and and as long as I keep that in my head, just one more, one more today, just mm -hmm. one more today. And then before I know it, 365 is going by and that's 365 more people that I helped that year. Just one more, man. Yeah. You know, I, that, that, that truly does help me keep going. Uh, if I can just, just put a little, little something in their, in their head, just, just a tiny, even if it's a sentence, man, that maybe in their darkest hour, my little sentence pops in their head and, and helps switch their mindset for that moment. That's awesome. That's powerful. Sometimes it's all we need, right? That, yeah, absolutely. Like you said, 30 seconds, you thought about drinking 30 seconds later. It was gone. Now, sometimes that's all we need. You know, and, and, you know, they tell you 15 minutes, you shall pass 15 minutes, you're 15 minutes. I think I have strengthened my mindset so much in the last two years that, um, even my, my own mind was like, no, fuck, we're done. No, no, we're not giving it to them. No. And that wasn't even like, it wasn't what I was thinking at that moment. It was just like, something was like, nope. Not this. Yeah. Not this. Nobody's taking this. Yep. Hell yeah. It's the ultimate boundary right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I know now, dude, that no matter what I go through, I, I can make it through. Because death, unfortunately, is a part of life. That's going to happen. Yeah. If I can get through something like this that's happened that um nobody, no parent, no nobody should fucking go through. That is not something anybody should have to deal with, especially kids. If I can get through that, then anything else that comes my way is going to be a fucking piece of cake, man. Dang, man. I don't even know if we should do random questions and finish this one up. <laughs> I guess we will. Absolutely, man. That's our thing. All right. Let's have some fun, huh? Uh, random questions, of course, brought to you by 5150 LTM. Tim Lodgen has some hats and shirts, as a matter of fact. Uh, yes, I do. Lifestyle brand with a purpose. Just click that link in the podcast description. Use the code KDD20 for 20% off. All right. Uh, I got to try to pull new ones because we probably talked about the vast majority of them. Uh, last song you intentionally played. Fighter from Tom McDonald. Ah. 
I've listened to that every day in the morning on the way to work for the last two weeks. Really? Dude, it's a badass song. Yeah. You know, when you don't believe in yourself, I believe in you. Dude, it, it, the, the, the lyrics are insane. It just really is hit home to me for the last two weeks. Have you had anyone ask you about uh, uh, spiritual awakening? And if so, how did you explain it? I've had a couple people ask me about if God exists. Hmm. And I said, well, what is yeah, my my answer was, what is God to you? My God exists. And I know I had a spiritual awakening in that in that airport. And I cannot explain that. And I don't want to try to explain it because it was a beautiful, beautiful gift that I was fortunate enough to receive. And it it has opened my eyes that we are 100% not alone, that our loved ones are still with us in some way, shape, or form, and they look out for us until the day that we meet them. Absolutely. Three things you're grateful for. My wife, my sobriety, and the ability to help one more person. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast, featuring celebrities, experts, and everyday people who have overcome adversities, including addiction, mental health, and trauma, to live purposeful lives. And that's what Knocking Doors Down is all about.